with authority. Aloha. Welcome to the most muscles in podcast and various sports. Welcome to ABC Seven Sports with authority. We have kickoff for the NFL. Yes, <laughs> pro football is back. I don't think you get at any point in the in the regular season more overreactions than after we have the first weekend of football and. Clearly, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL and have the best quarterback in Lamar Jackson because he threw for a zillion yards and bombs away. And as he put it, not bad for a running back. Great burn. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fun. Um, Derek Carr would then probably be the second best quarterback in football for his Monday night brilliance as the Raiders won their opener. And so we're going to talk, you know, how many weekends are we actually going to get? where the Niners and Raiders both win this season. <laughs> as, am I too much of a hater already as somebody? They're both winners! I, winners! I want winners! Well, the best start we could have possibly imagined for the Niners and Raiders. Optimism abound. Mike Singletary, I want winners! Dropping trout now. No, let's no. not do that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we brought in John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, three and out podcast network, Haberman and Middlecoff podcast, and friend of the network coming on our Monday Night Football Raiders home opening show. He's the super scout. He's the podcast czar. He is joining us right now. He is the man who sees all, knows all NFL, John Middlecoff, uh, joining us. So let me start out. We'll talk Niners and Raiders here, and both won in week one. So you study those teams as well as the opponents. Let's just start out with which team do you think was more impressive? I'm going to guess that you're going to say Raiders just because we didn't expect it. Yeah, I think it has to be the Raiders, given that it was Monday Night Football, given that everything that happened with Antonio Brown, and given how they really tossed around a team that's given them a lot of fifths, not just recent memory, for a long, long time. And just the the way in which they imposed their will, you know, the emergence of a guy. I mean, he was a rookie, so we didn't know that much about him in Josh Jacobs. And probably the, you know, you could argue that, there were some really good quarterback performances on Sunday and Monday. Definitely not on that Thursday night game. But uh, on Sunday, Derek, and you include the Monday night games, even the previous one with a Hall of Famer and Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson, Derek was might not have had the best game, but he was as good as any. You know, just how, how consistent he was, how confident he looked, how explosive his game was. You know, it wasn't one knock, and we all know around these parts, right, he gets nailed for – not pushing the ball down the field, and that was clearly not an issue in this game. They hit a couple. They hit a deep bomb, and he just hit a couple of those, you know, ten to fifteen yard passes where he's another five or six yards behind the line of scrimmage and just lets it rip. And that's remember when he was playing really well and in some of those games in fifteen and definitely that year in sixteen is what really separated him was just that that explosive arm. And I, I think we we've forgotten what that looks like, and it was fun to watch it again. Now, you were with us on Monday night right here in studio. We saw Gary and Conley go down in terrifying fashion. We thought this could be the end of the year, if not his career. He's going to play, but now they lose Jonathan Abrams. So what do you think that does to them as they go up against the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday, a very high-powered offense? So just uh, I I saw that Conley was there at walkthrough. He is. Gruden said he's going to play. He even said, he tweeted, I'm good. So wow. the thinking is he could actually play this week, which is remarkable. Yeah, that is pretty remarkable. And we, we kind of talked about it on Monday night that sometimes 
they are so precautionary now, and rightfully so, that something like that, once he was moving his hands, it can look a lot worse than it was, and especially if he doesn't get a concussion and he's walking fine. I think the Jonathan Abram, though, that injury, obviously this game Sunday against you know the most prolific offense in the league and big picture is a major, major blow. I mean, how much did we talk about, Larry, the, the impact that you could feel that guy on the field, his physical nature, uh, you know, he was a rookie, but you you just – and maybe it was hard knocks, but he didn't play like a rookie. And this week, Travis Kelsey, you know, now that Gronk's retired, maybe George Kittle's thrown his hat in the ring, but it's the best tight end in the league. And I would imagine that Jonathan Abram would have been tasked with covering him. You know, some of my scouting buddies, the Mississippi State played Iowa in the, in the bowl game, and we know those Iowa tight ends, one went eight and the other one went 20, and the better one went eight. The guy in the Lions, who I think had like seven catches and 150 yards and a touchdown on Sunday in his rookie debut. So I, I just, I know Gruden said, I saw him say today that they don't think they're going to need to sign a safety because they have a lot of safety depth. And that's true. Carl Joseph is basically the third safety. But his disadvantage against someone like Kelsey on Sunday is he's short. And a lot of these tight ends are not short, right? They're all 6'4, 6'5. So even if he's gotten better in man coverage and he can run with them, there's just a basketball element to box out that you just the guy's got you by eight inches. What are you going to do? And Mahomes, is there anyone better than Mahomes right now besides maybe like Tom Brady? I mean, yeah, playing quarterback, it's really remarkable. It's going to be a tough game. Raiders are seven point underdogs. Is that uh, the line? That's what at this we got point? as of this recording. Seven yeah. points. That actually feels like a lot of respect they're getting. Because you would have said yeah. at the beginning of the season that line week two probably about ten, so I, I think there are they've already proved maybe three point respect from Vegas. Well, I mean we talked about it on Monday night. They had to beat Denver. We don't know how good or bad Denver is going to be, but after this home game, then the schedule is brutal. The Raiders are gone for like six weeks. They've got all these treacherous road games. They've got the London trips at Vikings, at Colts in London to play the Bears, at Packers, at Texans. You're just hoping to survive that stretch. If you could somehow find a way to steal this game against Kansas City, that would be gigantic. I think if they were to win on Sunday, given that they had hard knocks, so they've been a major story, given that Gruden's their coach, so they're always going to be a story, and then given the way the Antonio Brown thing played out, they'd be kind of the darling of the league. Now, it'd be two weeks, but if they were 2-0 and had beat the Chiefs, that would be... I mean, unless, like, the Dolphins beat the Patriots, which is not going to happen. I don't know if you guys have seen that line. It's it's about 18 and a half. I was going to say, up, up to 19. How about this stat? With a win Sunday against Kansas City, the Raiders would open the season with two straight division wins for the first time since 1990 hmm. when they beat Denver and Seattle. So uh, this would be it, – it's going to be a tall they, they task. Played, to... They played well against them at home. Remember last That's year? True. It was kind of, That's it was true. It was interesting. The years ago when they were 0-10, they upset them at home on that Thursday night yeah. game. They beat them a couple years ago, remember, in the Thursday night game that was crazy that they got all those penalties at the end of the game. And Crabtree, I think, had the game winner. Maybe it was someone else. And they had another game in which it was they were either leading or it was tied in the fourth quarter. And Derek had three picks, I think, and two of them were pick sixes. And it was one of the – I was there, and it was like, the Raiders are going to beat this Chiefs team. And then it just – it was unlike anything I'd ever witnessed, the three picks. But they, for whatever reason, and I think you see it with Denver, the Coliseum takes Denver and Kansas City 
as you could bring any opponent in. They, they, they are more passionate about those two teams than any the Patriots, the Packers, you name it. That, that, that means a lot for these people. I'll say one thing about that, though. Coliseum at night is different, different. than Coliseum yeah, yeah. Sunday afternoon. So are you, you're not quite ready to boldly predict that the Raiders are going to upset the Chiefs. Is that, that you, I felt like you were leaning, and now I feel like you're back towards... I won't go upset, but I'm definitely taking this game seriously, and it's not going to shock me if they win the game. Okay. Because the Kansas City gives up a lot of points. So if Derek stays humming, you, you just never know. So translation, take the over. I don't even know what the number is. <laughs> well, number the problem is. is Vegas probably has, already has a set at like 70. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about the 49ers? I know that Jimmy G, he made that one horrific throw that was the pick six. It kind of took a little while to get going. But season prospects-wise, not just this week, I think it's kind of crazy that they're only plus two against the Bengals, who I think they could probably beat. But what do you think of the season outlook for the 49ers? Well, health with them is always a big concern. The play of Jimmy Garoppolo is massive for them because we've seen them with Jimmy and without Jimmy. With Jimmy, I think... Kyle's now seven and two, right? Because he won those last five mm-hmm. games. He started last year one and two, so he's he can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo, even when Jimmy struggles. When Jimmy's not there, they're a different team. It's just the health of, you know, Nick Bosa. Like today, he was limited at practice, and is that just because they're being careful coming off the injury, or is it because did he retweak the ankle, you know, in Tampa? They've already lost Telvin Coleman. Uh, they're so dependent on George Kittle. You know, so dependent. And you rewatching the game the other day, he's a, I mean, he's a dominant force. But I, I don't see how if you're playing the Niners, you don't quadruple te- team him. Because who else is beating you? Debo. You know? Debo going to beat you. <laughs> and, and maybe he can know. develop into that. But right now, you got to make him earn it. Uh, I, I, you know, I think most people this summer would have been like, I think the Niners could make the playoffs. And I was one of those. My, my tunes changed, though, over training camp and watching the way Jimmy's played. So I, you know, if they clean some things up, seven, eight wins, but I'm not confident right now, especially in the division with the Rams and Seattle and how good the NFC is. I'd be a little shocked at this point if the 49ers make the playoffs. Let's focus. Well, it's one week, so, I mean, this is the time for overreaction either way. But when you looked at the schedule coming out, you'd say at Tampa Bay, at Cincinnati, these are two bad opponents, both of them with coaching changes, uh, a lot of things in flux for those teams. So, yeah, I mean, you should win those games, but it's always hard to win on the road. As I was driving in today and thinking about, okay, we're going to preview this game, I was thinking – is the Red Rockets still quarterbacking the Bengals? This is this is like year 100 for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, and he, they don't have A.J. Green, who's out following the ankle surgery. I'm like, how was it even close last week against Seattle? They, they got beat 21-20. Well, I'll tell you, Larry, is that the Red Rocket, I'm, I'm pulling up the box score right now, but I'm pretty sure he threw for 400 yards. Uh, now, one of the passes was a late bomb, at the end of the sec, at the going into halftime, he just throws it up, and John Ross makes a fantastic play. You know, so a little lucky. But rewatching the game, the the Red Rocket was pretty good, and yeah, he did. He threw for four hundred. Here's Andy Dalton threw for thirty five completions, four hundred eighteen yards, and two touchdowns. I'm telling you, he was good in that game at Seattle, and they have weapons. Joe Mixon, who actually I think is banged up, but Giovanni Bernard, John Ross was a top ten pick. They still have Eifert. Their defense is really, really aggressive. They, they always have been. I, I think that – I don't even actually think it's that close. Cincinnati's a better team than Tampa. So are they going to be able to 
you know, the Red Rocket will throw a pick, too, like Jameis. Now, is he going to throw two pick sixes in a game? Probably not. But the 49ers are going to need a better performance out of their offense if they're going to beat Cincinnati on the road. Uh, now, you look back at that game. The one thing I keep, you know, you can't forget is they did have two touchdowns to Kittle that were called back. Yep. Now, the, the Bucks would also say, well, we had a touchdown called back, too. So it, it does go both ways in that situation, but the 49ers are going to have to play better. They, they were way too sloppy with penalties. They were way too – Jimmy was just bad accuracy-wise. They're going to need him to be more accurate uh, for them to win at Cincinnati, which, like most people, before the season or when the schedule came out, you just went, oh, that's a win. And I, I don't feel that just a lock win anymore. Now, when looking at the 49ers, obviously Jameis Winston, Tampa – not the best sample, but what do you think about the defensive backs on the Niners? Because I thought that was going to be an absolute weakness going in, even with Richard Sherman. They did a pretty good job, though, in week one. Yeah, if, if Akella Weatherspoon's a good corner, the 49ers are in good shape. Because most teams, even ones with a star corner, don't have two of them. You know, even Seattle in their heyday, one year I think they had Brandon Browner with Richard Sherman. But for the most part, they just kind of piecemealed it with the next guy, and it just whatever and you can get by because corners are hard to find but if Akella Weatherspoon looked like he did in that game against Mike Evans you play fantasy you know he goes pretty high in the fantasy he's on my team yeah he's a good player did he do anything in that game no he did not (laughs) yeah and that that's in in 23 was the one chasing him it it wasn't Richard Sherman so you know I I think that was easily the best Akella Weatherspoon game of his career uh especially given how much pressure was on this guy like is he is he going to get benched he was awesome. So if he can keep playing like that, and I would imagine he'll be on John Ross, because John Ross is one of those short speed guys, the type player that Richard Sherman doesn't match up well against. Like Richard Sherman likes the big guys, and they have those guys too. I would I would imagine that Akella Weatherspoon is going to chase around number eleven, who, you know, was one of the best players to come out of Washington a couple years ago. Went top, you know, he went eight to Cincinnati. He could fly. He hasn't really done anything his first two years, but he looked like a dude in the game on Sunday in Seattle, which was a homecoming for him, having played at UW. And we've watched Seattle for years around these parts. You don't go up to Seattle and play well, even if their teams, you know, aren't 13, 14 virgin. That's just a tough place to play. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati had a legitimate chance to win the game. It was 17 to 21 late in the fourth quarter. And they had to settle for a field goal when they were at the five yard line. They just couldn't get it in the end zone. And the final score was 21, 20, but they, they easily could have, you know, if they just scheme up a touchdown there, there might be 1-0. Assuming everybody is healthy with the Niners, and we don't know about Bosa again, uh, just because he, he may have uh, tweaked the ankle, but uh, the strength of their defense is the, the defensive line. Linebackers, again, Quan Alexander got tossed out of the game, so we didn't see as much of him, but Fred Warner is sideline to sideline. Uh, the Bengals were held to 34 yards rushing by Seattle. The Seahawks stacked the box would you think the Niners would have a similar type of approach defensively and force the Red Rocket to again throw for 400? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to take my chances in a tight game with a quarterback throwing for 400 yards. You know, that that's the problem. Like Seattle, Pete Carroll could not have been happy on Monday morning when he addressed the team. I mean, that's just too many. Because you're going to lose, especially on the when you're at home. Now, it's a little different on the road, but... That just that's a scary proposition. Ideally, you'd like to shut him down, rushing the ball, and hold him to like 250, right? Once he gets to 400, 
just the likelihood when you throw for that many yards, you're going to end up with two or three touchdowns, right? Just It's just hard to mm-hmm. accumulate that many yards without guys getting in the end zone. So I, I would imagine the game plan is because last, last week when the running game really took over in the second half, and we had talked about this when I was in the office with you guys, is you just get tired, right? You know, it's super hot in Tampa. Your starting middle linebacker gets tossed out of the game. I, I think you're going to feel pretty confident that you can stop the run without, quote-unquote, stacking the box just with Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and, and the front four. Because here's another reality. Cincinnati, like most NFL teams, their offensive line is not great. So you, you're going to feel you can dominate up front. But you're going to want to contain the Red Rocket because if the Red Rocket has another game like 400 yards, I, if you told me right now the Red Rocket throws 400 yards, I would say that Cincinnati probably wins the game because that would mean, do you think Jimmy has 350 yards in him? You know, that you, you need to kind of match it. Now, I mean, he does, but and it, it might happen Sunday, but you would say it's not really trending that way right now. Let's go big picture again real quick. Sort of rapid fire here, but... When we did our preseason NFL pod, I had the Raiders at four wins. Larry had them at five. About where did you have them, and do you change your outlook much without Antonio Brown? God, you guys are haters. I know. We yeah. were brutal. We were very hard. But when you look at the schedule, I just It's called reality, brother. And that was before yeah. we lost uh, Antonio Brown on this team. So. I, I would have guessed, yeah, f- probably five-ish with AB, five, six-ish. Now, you know, if they were going to win five games, you, you probably would have chalked up the w on monday night so how much really changed right that's what i think some people get overzealous with a week one win where it's like yeah you could still be really crappy and have beat team x at home so i i'd say about five six ish but i'd say here's the wild card i didn't expect Derek to look like that and if you have a if you have a legitimate pro bowl quarterback and i'm not talking about a guy that gets in when tom brady plays in the super bowl and he can't make it I'm talking about a guy that gets initially invited. So he's one of the six guys invited at, at, you know, when the team's constructed right after the season. So he's one of the six best quarterbacks. If Derek can maintain that like he did that MVP-type season, then you have a chance to win most games, even against Mahomes. right? So that would be the wild card. If Derek can have a, a Pro Bowl season, then I would say the, the Raiders' upside would be 7-8-ish, even with that schedule. Because you'd go, well, if Derek gets hot, what if the Packers have an off game? You could win that. What if you know Houston's in a weird spot, overlooks them? Maybe they go to Denver and get a win. Maybe the Chargers. I don't know if you guys seen today. Chargers lost six players since lunchtime. Yeah, Hunter Henry's <laughs> out. Yeah. Mike Williams yeah. is banged up. They got all kinds of problems. Yeah, so I, I don't quite look at the Chargers the same. Though you, you could get blown out in this game and still, you know, be decent, I, I think, if Derek plays well. Now, on the 49ers side, I had the Niners at six wins. Larry had them at seven. I know you kind of intimated you had haters. something similar going there. Uh, but, I mean, uh, what do you think of those picks? What are your picks? What are your outlooks on that overall? I, I've said all along that the standard for the Niners is so much different because this is their third year. Like, they've put this thing together. They've turned the roster over. If they win six or seven games – we can no longer, at least I don't know about how you guys talk about him, but I talk about him. Like, Kyle's a really good coach. And if J- if Jed fired him tomorrow, all these teams would hire him. Well, if Kyle wins six games this year, he's no longer a good coach. Because you know what good coaches do? They win. Sean McVay just wins. Matt Nagy just wins. Doug Peterson just wins. Like, Kyle doesn't win. And these are all his players. So he's picked all the players. He's running his scheme. And the one thing that concerns me is watching that game at Tampa, like, his teams are always kind of disorganized. 
And you could argue Harbaugh's team sometimes would get discombobulated, but they hung their hat on a couple things. They played great defense, and they had an identity on offense. Like, Kyle, what's Kyle's really identity beside the plays? You know, he can scheme up plays, but, like, I don't know his true identity. So if it's six wins or even seven and Jimmy plays 16 games, I'd say the worst part about that would be I think we'd have to start questioning, do they have the right coach? We, we know he's a good offensive mind, but is he the head coach for the future? Especially in a division where you got Pete Carroll's the youngest 67-year-old you'll ever meet, and Sean McVay more than likely is going to be a playoff coach again. So it's like, how are you going to beat these guys? Well, start with number one draft picks that actually make an impact. But he's uh, choosing those guys. Well, no, you know, I, I know. I'm saying. I mean, we, we I'm, know what you call plays, but you know, you're drafting Solomon Thomas, not an impact player. Reuben Foster's not even on the team anymore. You're seeing a pattern that is developing. They're actually picking better uh, late in the draft than they I are know. at the top of the draft, which is not the way it's supposed to work. I love well, how, how, the fact how how do you how do you ever retroactively kind of take that power away from Kyle? Right? It's kind of you're no, kind of just in his, on that. No, he and it is. They got to wear it. Um, yeah. Mean, yeah, you would hope that there's a meeting of minds there. I just love the fact that, like, John, you're picking like one more win for each of the Raiders and Niners, but we're these big haters. All right, that's that's well, hilarious. The fans tell us at least. <laughs> no, it's it's the go-to line whenever you pick a team yeah. to be under like eight wins. You're just a hater. Yeah, that's why I throw it out, oh, even, like if, even when it's realistic. But again, guys, both these two teams drafted in the top five. So if you're picking them over probably seven wins you're being too ambitious just based on the facts right That's i want fair. to pin you down here who's winning uh, i'm assuming that you think the chiefs are going to win so i'm going to bypass that uh, the raiders game 49ers at Bengals. who's winning the game and they're staying in youngstown ohio yes. too. that's got to help right yeah, yeah. I, I i'm gonna go 49ers but i do not feel good about it um <laughs> but the 49ers should win this game you're a you know hater, I mean? man. You are a <laughs> hater. You're, a, you're worse than we are. So much hate. I've, I've been called much worse, you know. <laughs> Dude, speaking of this, haters, though, Antonio this Brown. Is a game, this is a game what I talk about with Kyle. You lose to a first-time head coach in Zach Taylor, who's kind of a McVay-Kyle type guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's worked with Kyle, but he's definitely from McVay. That that would be a pretty – you're already losing to a guy in a second career game when he's – most people thought his team was terrible. And he beats you, even if it is on the road. Like that would, would we all agree this would be a pretty bad loss, even if technically they're the Vegas underdog? I think the Yorks would not be thrilled to lose no. in the state of Ohio to the Bengals. Now, no. I didn't want to get into this at all, but Brown is now on the Patriots. We thought maybe he would show up there, be a model citizen, but now all these accusations came out about him today. Uh, civil trial all this stuff's going on with him and now bill belichick's answering the questions tom brady's answering the questions john gruden even said hey i'm done you gotta ask his employer now about him so are we starting to see him already putting some cracks in the patriots mystique is that even possible i did see rosenhaus say this morning that he's known about this for a while that it was potentially he didn't know when it was going to come out but something was brewing there is no chance. I know Ian Rappaport tweeted that the Patriots didn't know. I'm going to call BS on that. If Rosenhaus knew it was coming, him and Belichick are actually sneaky kind of tight. I would be shocked if he didn't let Belichick know. And, you know, clearly Belichick doesn't really care unless they think he did it and he'll just be gone. I, it's pretty black and white. Like, they'll just they'll take this because he's such a great player. Anyone that follows sports knows if he was even – Above average, he'd be cut for this. Like, no. I mean, are you especially after everything he's pulled. But he is – the reason he's getting so many passes is 
He's had six straight years of 100 catches, 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Average a year. I mean, that's just say that out loud and be like, yeah, this, this is why it is one of the craziest runs of nuttiness and potential you know, criminal behavior we've ever seen in the league history. And he's like, teams are lined up with Pam. So I, I'm always uncomfortable with these things because the he said, she said, who knows? I, I, I think most of us agree, right? If, if what she's accusing him of is true, he should go to jail. And I also fall on the other side. If what she, and like what happened to Reuben Foster, what Reuben Foster's girlfriend lied about it, she should go to jail. So it's just pretty black and white. Now I understand that it's, you know, in, the, in these cases, it's we don't. It's not like there's ten people there. It's just he said, she said. They get very complicated. But these things tend to kind of drag on for a while. It's not going to go away, right? Well, also we should point out there's been no criminal complaint filed against Antonio Brown. There, there what, what's been the difference this... on that? Can you guys explain that to well, me? Well, the, the difference is in a criminal complaint, uh, you have the potential to go to jail. If it's a civil lawsuit, then the plaintiff is just looking for monetary damages. And well, I, I get that, but why are there no criminal charges? Because the evidence is because it's way it's like three, four years ago. There's no evidence. Is that well? Part that's, of the deal? That would be the you'd have to know more about the investigation. But the presumption would be that there isn't enough evidence for police to go on to pursue a case that, beyond a reasonable doubt, could be proved in gotcha. court that he actually did what she alleges. And so it's hard because. Brown's attorney has released their version of the facts, and if you believe yeah. their version, then it's okay. I, all right, I'm not really sure what's going on here. So it's again, it's one of those uncomfortable situations where you yeah. you 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 have to take what the accuser says seriously, but you also have to weigh what his version of events is, and and through his attorney, they sure. went point by point to try to debunk her claim. So I. Who know? I don't even know. I mean, what either this way, point. though, a mess it's is a mess. A, it's, is a, a mess. it's a mess. And it's a mess. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah, it's I, I did much. see. Yeah. You know that list. Uh, I think Adrian Peterson got put on it years ago. There's been other players. Yeah, that the commissioner, commissioner exempt. Yeah. There's never been a player on that list that there haven't been criminal charges for. That's why, because this is a civil trial, it would kind of set new precedent. Yeah. Right. And that's where I think the league. I guess you can never assume what Roger and the league will do. Yeah. But wouldn't you guys be shocked? Because then all these situations, it happens a lot. Let's you know, in any in any industry where there's a lot of money, where these civil trials and they go away fast. I'm not trying to say she's not telling. The, who knows? I mean, right. no one knows except them. But I, because that was kind of being talked about today in the in the media circles. Will he go on this list? And the way you guys just described, and that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, I, I I'd be shocked if the league puts him on that list just because of the slippery slope of the precedent that would be set. It's hard to predict what the NFL will do with these situations. And that, that because, is true. That's true, too. Because the, yeah. the, the, the markers move with every situation. But overall... He can do whatever he wants. Because he can do whatever he wants. Right. Overall, right? The, the question you, you have to wonder is, will Antonio Brown ultimately be good or bad for the Patriots? Will he even play for the Patriots? Well, no, no, that, yeah, no, that's another great question. We don't... Yeah. Just more, more I, questions. I thought, I thought a telling sign today was, is at practice he was wearing number one. Like, they're not even giving him a real number yet. Yeah, great point. Like, you're just kind of there. Now, Ben Watson is 84. I was saying on my podcast with Guy Haberman that if I was Ben Watson, I'd be like, hey, man, Venmo me the money today. I'll give it to you. you know, <laughs> yeah, get that money now. Yeah. He, he might be gone by Saturday, and you just get your money back, and you're <laughs> yeah. up 100 grand. It's genius. Yeah. That's yeah, they just delete, and then just delete his number, you know? All right, we'll see how that plays out. John, as always, we appreciate the time. 
in the future, try not to be such a hater on the podcast, okay? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. And tell Guy I said hi, one of my absolute favorite people. Uh, I will. Enjoy. Have, have a good show tonight. Thank you. So we want to thank John Middlecoff and a clarification because after we were done recording, we learned the use of the commissioner's exempt list is not available based on the filing of an unsworn civil lawsuit. The key being civil there. It's available only when there are formal criminal charges or following an NFL investigation and neither has happened yet. So it sounds like it's going to take some time for the NFL to investigate and there may not be criminal charges. We'll have to see what the police involvement is, whether there's any history with Antonio Brown and this woman and the police being called. There's a lot to sort out. We, we don't even know, is Antonio Brown going to play, or how do the Patriots deal with this? More questions than answers at this point. Yeah, a lot to process, a lot of issues. I think that at this point, the Raiders are just happy that he's not their problem anymore. And you can say that for sure. As John Gruden said when asked, he said, ask his current employer. Anyways, we will hear from Middlecoff probably throughout the season as a friend of the network. You can subscribe to the With Authority podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, and you can check us out on YouTube. We have a very special episode this week with Trap Yoga Bay. That was fun. You have to see this. It's it's purely great video. It's, it's best to enjoy on YouTube. We'll tell you that. Absolutely. And with that, Aloha! With authority!